Right? We might ask, what does that being brought back to God actually mean and look like? And the answer is, well, this. What we just read in verse 18, it means that through Jesus, we have access in one spirit to the Father. Listen up. That's access to God. And now, I know that might seem a little confusing, but stick with me because this is so important. Because we might hear that and think, right, I get it because of the Trinity. (laughs) And yes, in a sense, that's true. That is definitely what we are talking about. But let's just all take a minute and consider together what that really means for us and for God and for our communion with God in prayer. Because, because what I want us all to consider right now is what's so amazing about what God has revealed about himself clearly in the Bible is that we know that there is one God, yes, but what's so important for us to get when we, under, when we think about him, when we think about that, is that there is not this one person that we call God, and then if we kind of get past him, then we can get to these three persons called the Father, Son, Spirit. Let me say that again, because this can really change your life. It's not that there's this one person called God, and sometimes, though, if we think hard enough, we can go past him and find three more persons, the Father, Son, and Spirit. That's not it. Rather, get this with me. God is one being. God is one. But the one God is Father, Son, Spirit. You get that? Father, Son, Spirit is God. And personally, let me just, this is, let me just say, this is something that I've obviously known But it's something that personally, in my experience, I've been working on and growing and loving a lot more this past year, and it's meant a ton for my relationship with God. And moreover, personally, this is also why, and just stick with me here, this is why I sometimes now don't like using the language of the Trinity. Not because it isn't true, of course it is according to the Bible, nor because the word technically isn't in the Bible. That doesn't matter that much if we're explaining a biblical concept. But the reason I don't love always using the language of Trinity is because church, let's be honest, what we sometimes do is we can think that God exists, of course, but then we can kind of think that there's this part of God or maybe this attribute of God, this thing that we call the Trinity. Meaning we can think that there's God and then there's this Trinity thing. Again, making it sound like there's this one person, God, and then though there's three persons we can get to once we go past God. But again, really, that's, that's not it. Rather, God is Father, Son, Spirit. That, that is God. And the point is, concerning Ephesians 3.18, 3.18 here, that's really what we see. And I love this because that means that when we commune with God or have access to God, it is this that's going on. We engage with this God as there is no other God that exists. And what does that mean? Well, it means that as we commune with God and pray, first, it is all because the person of the Son of God, who is God himself, Jesus Christ, he is there in our praying, and his work and his love is the main reason that we're loved and accepted, and we love Jesus for that. But, but that's not it, because then also when we commune with God, there's also this other person, the Holy Spirit, who is God himself. And he's the one who's even enabling us to pray, 
or commune with God. That, that's why all prayer is praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit, just so you know biblically, isn't some special type of prayer. Rather, none of us would ever pray or could ever pray if it wasn't for the person of the Holy Spirit. And so he's doing that with us and we love him for that. But that's not all. So you've got, you've got God the Son being there, the reason you're welcome. You've got God the Spirit inside you enabling us. And then with all that, we go, quote, to the Father, as this verse says. Meaning this picture is very clear. When you commune with God, that means that Jesus is there as your Savior and King. And he loves you. And you're so accepted because of him. And then the Spirit himself is in you, giving you your very breath enabling you to think of God and dwell with God. And then in all that, you're going to and you're in the presence of the Father. The Father who, who loves you so much. Really, any love that we have, say, for example, for our kids, is just a tiny, mini picture of the Father's love for us. And, and here's the big point I, think, I hope we all get. Knowing all of that, engaging with that, with those persons, that's communing with God. Or to say it even more starkly, communing with God isn't ever this thing where it's just the one person of God and the one person of you. Rather, communing with God is you, one person, communing with God, Father, Son, Spirit, three persons. It is always a communal communing, if you will. And so stick with me, that's, that's the theology of this verse. But that now finally leads to the more practical part of this. So why is that practical, especially when talking about prayer? Well, maybe you can kind of sense where we're going with this because think of it. If that's communing with God, if literally the Son, the Spirit, the Father is doing all that with us as, as we're with Him, as we're praying, then what that means for us as we pray is that we can acknowledge and spend time with and think about and talk to God with all that in mind. Meaning in our communing, in our praying, we shouldn't vaguely just think of God. Although, let's be clear, we, we can just address God. And, and when we do, that means we might be addressing all three persons of the Trinity. Or often in the Bible where God is just talked about, it's usually referring to God the Father. And so we can just address God. But church, what is so practical and life-changing is realizing that God, Father, Son, Spirit, that's who he is. And then again, showing that by how we think and dwell with and talk to him. 